the February 13th to 17th 2021 North America Winter Storm, also unofficially referred to as Winter Storm Ural, was a major winter and ice storm that had widespread impacts across the United States, northern Mexico, and parts of Canada. The storm resulted in over 170 million Americans being placed under various winter weather alerts across the country and caused blackouts for over 9.7 million people in the U.S. and Mexico. Governor Abbott and other elected officials issued a disaster declaration on February 12th, whereby he mobilized various departments. Joining us today in studio is the Chavis County Skywarn Coordinator and a member of the Paco Valley Amateur Radio Club, Jim Kilo Bravo Zero, Quebec November Whiskey. Welcome to the Last Wire Podcast, Jim. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Johnny. Jim, how are we making out this week? Have things gotten better in your region? Yeah, well, pretty much here in southeast New Mexico, we didn't have quite the disastrous effects that uh, the state of Texas did, but we did uh, go through some rolling blackouts and some other unplanned electrical blackouts and stuff, so uh, at least we were, were here to serve and, and, and help those in Texas as much as we could, but uh, I think things are trying to kind of somewhat get back to a normal, uh, normal way of life there in the Lone Star State. Can you take us back to before the storm and talk a little bit about the amateur radio infrastructure and how prepared were clubs for such an event like the severe weather event? Well, I think uh, at least from a personal basis, uh, I knew that the potential for power outages was coming. So I uh, drag, drug out the uh, generator and uh, the, the good extension cord and all this kind of thing and made sure that we had plenty of fuel on hand for it because we knew that the potential for electrical blackouts was coming. So uh, that uh, and then also had the provisions made for power back up for the radios in, um, in the event that we needed to either pass any messages or, um, you know, assist our Texas neighbors in any way we could since we're kind of in a, uh, an advantageous position for NVIS into that area. So we're kind of right outside the hot zone, if you will, but still able to serve them with communication needs if, if the need arises. What are people using in the region? Is it two-meter radios, TMR? What type of infrastructure and towers are in the community? Well, in, in this area, I know we're using, um, uh, across the state, we've got an excellent linked two-meter system, well, two-meter, 440, it's a, uh, we call it the Megalink, and there's uh, upwards from 25 different repeaters all around the state that cover not only New Mexico, but into the fringes of Texas, Colorado, Arizona, and, um, and, and of course, Texas again to the south. But um, we use that system uh, quite uh, consistently, and then we also use HF, and uh, we uh, I personally utilize the 7290 traffic net, uh, which is come I think they hold about six days out of the week, and that's a real uh, good tool to be able to pass traffic and, uh, and exercise and drill with the folks in Texas as far as passing information. So HF, uh, DMR, um, UHF, VHF analog on the um, on the Megalink, and then, of course, local and regional repeaters on uh, 2 meters and 70 centimeters as well. Whenever the forecast calls for freezing rain, especially in my region and in my area, it's of great concern to towers and repeaters and equipment. Did you lose anything during this winter storm? There was none that I was aware of, Johnny. Um, I'm sure that possibly that happened, but uh, we 
kind of somewhat expected it, and at least from my perspective and the people that I had contact with, um, nobody had any real issues on that. As the coordinator for the Charvis County Skywarn, can you talk about your role in helping during this disaster? Well, we've got a, uh, a real active Skywarn chapter in Chavis County. Um, we also um, were very, um, how would you say, have a real good relation, working relationship with our county emergency manager, as well as the uh, uh, city fire chief and, and other uh, heads of other entities throughout the, the valley, as we call it, the Pecos Valley. And um, as coordinator, uh, each year, each uh, spring after our NWS uh, classes, then I will go ahead and I'll hold one locally to try to uh, recap and refresh and then also educate the new guys that might be interested on how we as a as a, a club-specific operation run our um, uh, chapter. And the thing is with in southeast New Mexico, the thing that makes us kind of unique and so dependent on uh, ground truth observations is the fact that we are what I call radar um, uh, radar um, challenged here. Uh, our main radar come, uh, weather radar is based in uh, Cannon Air Force Base near Clovis, New Mexico. And um, we're really right on the fringe of that. And our that that radar, our primary radar, uh, by the time that lowest beam gets to the Roswell area, has a ceiling of only about 10,000 feet. So there's a lot of stuff that can go on between 10,000 feet and the ground that radar is not picking up. So the National Weather Service in Albuquerque, which is where we're jurisdiction from, is uh, very dependent on the ground truth observations that they get from our group. So uh, that's a lot what we do during severe weather is pass along um, uh, those ground truth observations, not only in the event of severe thunder storms and tornadoes, but um, other things too. I'm, I'm also a Coco Ross reporter, so they depend on those precipitation reports as well. During this disaster, what was the expectation from the other parties involved, uh, fire, EMO? What were they expecting from amateur radio? What type of traffic was being transferred back and forth well, the traffic that was being passed locally here in uh, southeast New Mexico wasn't real specific or real um, uh, dependent upon in this last storm for our local or regional area, again, since we were kind of out of the hot zone, so to speak. Uh, but those folks in Texas, uh, what we did was uh, basically provide uh, standby communications and also some active communications in the way of passing traffic, um, ARL message grams and things of that nature. That's that's just what they do on a, on a daily basis as a form of drill and practice. So we were able to do that and keeping up those uh, um, that technique and keeping up those skills and practicing those skills in the event that uh, there was actually a, uh, an emergency message that needed to be passed. I personally, uh, they had one come up for Clovis, so I was able to take that message and pass it and deliver it by cell phone. So um, I could have done that by Megalink also. That uh, that gentleman was uh, on the Megalink, our Megalink uh linked system so as temperature rising people starting to return to their home starting to clean up has the tide changed are things getting better for the region Yes, yes. Well, like I said, things are are healing, and it's going to take a long time. Uh, one friend of ours in particular had um, 
had to leave their house because of the uh, the loss of power and the, the temperatures, you know, just brutally, brutally cold temperatures. So they left their residence, and uh, they, like so many other people, failed to turn the water off. They're just, you know, not used to this. Well, when they came back, they came back to about ankle-deep water throughout their house with uh, much of the, the ceiling sheetrock had fallen in. It was a two-story dwelling, and uh, they lost most of their personal possessions, actually. So um, my daughter that lives there not too far from them in a DFW suburb uh, took them into her house, and uh, while they went in and completely gutted, it was, they had to completely gut the house. It was that bad. But uh, And this is a, a scenario that's ba- that we saw over and over and over again in Texas. So that's probably one of the biggest, um, the biggest cleanup aftermath that they're dealing with right now, except for some people, unfortunately, have to having to bury their loved ones because of uh, exposure and things of that, things of that nature. What lessons were learned from this experience, and do you see any changes happening in your club or other clubs in the area? Well, I think it's always uh, something that, you know, hams are really pretty good from the um, aspect of, of preparedness. I mean, there's this, you know, backup and emergency power is pretty much a staple. I mean, we, we pretty much all understand that. Um, but then we still have a lot of hams on the other side of that that say, you know, that they just don't really prepare for that and don't think it'll ever really happen to them, or if it does, it's no big deal. And you know, I guess maybe in some sense uh, it isn't, but by the same token, if you're called upon, and you might be the only one out there available at the time to fill a particular role, and if you're not prepared, um, you know, even as much as learning how, knowing how to comfortably operate your radio and go to uh, uh, reverse frequencies and just things of that nature that you, uh, you don't always think about. Opening your squelch, many of these radios, and it sounds like a silly, stupid thing, but many of these new radios have a menu-operated step squelch system, and if you don't know how to get in there and activate that, you might not be able to hear someone on Simplex out there that you know might need uh, some assistance. So learning to be familiar with your, your equipment, um, <coughs> Excuse me. Always having some kind of a backup power plan, um, you know, things of that nature, and being able to to kind of access as many frequencies as you can. Know what the frequencies are, the repeaters in your area, um, and and in neighboring states as well uh, on on HF and and just just the different resource. We got a lot of resources available to us, and I think more so being uh, being aware of those resources and, and putting them to the best use and, and utilizing them to the best of our to the best of our ability is is probably a, a huge part of preparedness that I, that I would like to see more and um, and taking an interest in that. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate you coming out and helping highlight the role that amateur radio played during this emergency event and the importance uh, amateur radio is to the community and what we need to do to better prepare for such event. Well, Johnny, thanks for having me. I appreciate you, and uh, you guys take care up there. You've been listening to Jim, Kilo Bravo Zero, Quebec November Whiskey, who is from the Chavis County, Skywarn, and he's also a member of the Peco Valley Amateur Radio Club. As we learn about the role of amateur radio played in helping residents during the weather event, Ural. Thank you for listening to the Last Wire Podcast. I'm your host, John Bignall, VE1JMB. Remember, in times of crisis and natural disaster, amateur radio is often used as a means of emergency communication when all other conventional methods of communication has failed.
the Last Wire podcast that will profile and help share stories of hams who have volunteered their amateur radio knowledge and equipment for communication duty when disaster strikes. If you have a story to share, we want to hear from you. Send us your story at john at lastwire.ca. Until next time, this is VE1 JMB 73.